Welcome along to this week's episode of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and I'm here with Brian and Kevin. Hello. Howdy. Each week we'll be taking a look at some of the endless stream of content that is delivered to us through Netflix, Disney+, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Crave, Spotify, YouTube. Wherever content is delivered to people, we will be watching a chunk of it, and we will then be talking about it. As a result, this is a very spoiler-heavy kind of podcast, so if you find us about to talk about a show you haven't seen... Be warned, we're going to talk about the show. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast and maybe giving us a follow over on Instagram or Twitter. All of our socials are at The Endless Cast. We are starting with The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're on episode three this week. Um, we're going to talk about that. I did not have a good time with this episode, but uh, before we dig too deep into that, there's... Some other, I guess, nerd news, comic book, film news stuff of the week that we want to have a bit of a chat through. Kevin, you finally watched the Justice League Snyder Cut. Yep. Did you enjoy it? Mm. I didn't think you could polish a turd, but he kind of did it. But it was still a shiny piece of shit. Okay. And Brian, what was your impression of it? Yeah. I didn't like it. I, I I didn't I didn't hate Man of Steel. Mm. Um, I thought it was you know I was excited to see what he might do next with the character. Um, like it wasn't my favorite interpretation of Superman, but I was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't awful. Kind of want to see where it goes. And then he got the Batman v Superman gig, and it really feels like he just wanted to direct Batman before anything else. Anyway. Um, I didn't even hate Batman v Superman all that much, and I thought the director's cut of Batman v Superman was was improved. So even though that wasn't the film I was kind of hoping for either, the little glimpse we got of Justice League in Batman v Superman, I thought, mm. okay, that's interesting. I kind of I'm interested to see where he goes with this. So by the time I, you know the Snyder cut came out, I I kind of had lost all interest, but I was still kind of hopeful because it was you know. He was finally getting to see that uh, the film based on the version of that little flash segment in, in the Batcave. I was like, okay, well, you know, I thought that was interesting. So let's see what happens with the film. And the film just didn't work. I can't. So many levels. It's just. I'm surprised. I'm surprised the reception has been as positive as it is mm. because it's just not for me at all. Do you think it was improved on the 2017 Whedon release? I mean, the thing the thing is, like, marginally, but, I mean, at the same time, you know, Whedon had a lot of footage from another film and then just tried to alter it by shooting, like, the bare minimum and making a couple of changes, changing the dialogue, adding a scene or two. But overall, it was still very much Snyder's film. He was just kind of changing the tone of it. So, like, that film was never going to be good. That film is, is you know, it's basically Snyder's film and somebody else trying to stamp their vision on it, their, their, their kind of tone and their sensibilities. Like, that's never going to work. So, yeah, it's better in a sense because it's finally all, all Snyder's ideas. So it's more cohesive anyway. So yeah, of course that's going to be better. But is the film vastly different? I didn't think so. Um, still very misguided. Still needlessly long. Um, just 
just wrong on so many levels I think I, I really I wouldn't like you know in hindsight or thinking back like I wouldn't have liked the 2017 release for sure and I watched this one and it's just like honestly like kind of I guess I was just thinking like the whole time it's just like who who came back to do this how much money did they have you know and I guess that ultimately kind of just makes me it boils down to just me just not thinking it was it was justifiable to do these reshoots and to spend this money on a movie that was just dead in the water you know um i just like and to be honest i watched it with my girlfriend last night and um i was i hadn't got a clue about the mother boxes and all that kind of stuff you know and i couldn't remember it's like where it's like i know there was one in like i couldn't even really remember because i was getting stuff a bit confused in my head and stuff but i couldn't really remember and then like i don't know how long into the movie they explain the whole like three boxes, the mother box, where they're hidden, all that kind of thing. I can't remember if they're in the, like the other movies, like in terms of Batman vs Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever. But it's just like, oh, it just it just feels like there's a lot of basic story. Just just I'm talking about like very basic storytelling mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. There's a big broad conceptual idea that I have around this sort of thing where I go, time has been put into this effort. You know, we get X amount of swings at Batman movies every 10 years or every 15 years or every whatever. And what we've Mm. seen in the Marvel Universe is a streak where they just Mm. planned it out. And even if it has weaker fare amongst it, they've managed to keep this cohesive role going. And what what I feel about why I was not really too worried about anything anyone wanted to do with the Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman and Justice League was because, you know, they'll make this version of the film, it will do well or it won't do well, I'll like it or it won't, and we'll move on to another one. But they have dwelled on it for so fucking long at this point, where I'm like, can we just acknowledge that this didn't work as a shot at the franchise and move on? And I, I think that is what's happened with the Matt Reeves Batman a bit, but, like, we're still dealing with the scattershot end of things where, like, I watched that Wonder Woman movie. I don't know if we talked about it last week. That's a fucking mess. I I watched... Um, I tried to rewatch some of the theatrical cut of um, Justice League during the week as well. I don't know if it's moving too quickly for the tone of everything they shot. But like when by comparison, I don't think you see Batman or Wonder Woman or Flash for like actually being heroic in the Snyder Cut for... 30, 40 minutes, an hour. Like, there's a lot of swanning around. Whereas I think we open with Batman in the Whedon cut and they just try and get everybody doing something super heroic. And it's it's a fall-in between yep. two intents. You know, Whedon's trying to get it as marvelly as he can get it. Snyder's trying to do his thing, which is, I think, it's his thing, it's valid, and I've always given it that leeway because I think we can we can take his version and move on. But his version gets those characters wrong for me there's no joy in them there's no it's yeah the and I like, like that you know one of the things he said early on about man of steel is like you know the whole kind of for some reason he, he i mean we've seen the the messianic uh superman thing so many times before i don't know why he felt the need to visit it in man of steel because it's it's not original but he wanted to go there with the character and he wanted to make him a very kind of somebody full of doubt he snaps sod neck and he, he says you know he wanted his superman to grow into 
the positive the guy kind that of shaves half a guy's head I, off at the end of the Snyder Cut. Mm. But but this is it. yeah, like he wanted him to go into the kind of positive version of the character, and it's just like that would have happened at the very end of Justice League, you know, episode three or something. Like we like it would have ended on that, and it's just like when you compare it to like I get like the closest similar character is Captain America different different abilities but they're both very much just you know kind of foolish in terms of their like idealism but they're inspiring or at least they're supposed to be and it's it's the thing that evans doesn't get enough credit for for cap is that like he's so many people's favorite character Mm. in the mcu and he's got no business being it because he's he's this character walking around wearing the the american flag and Mm. the character works like he he kind of represents the idealized version of things and he's he's critical of of the state of the world today you know and that's kind of what superman is supposed to represent and snyder just wanted to like as quick as he could he wanted to do evil superman oh i mean that that epilogue oh he's got the wrong version of those characters you know he like i said he insisted that you know superman was going to grow from this doubtful character in man of steel into the kind of symbol of hope by the end of his his superman arc and it's just like that's just clearly just not true because he was more interested in directing a batman film with an evil superman he's like just does not understand these characters or no no he doesn't he's got his own version of them he, and he has his understanding of it yeah we all take our own interpretation it's just not as interesting as he thinks it is you know mm. it just really isn't it's like oh wow they're violent cool yeah i mean one of the things about steve is like he has this and you, you do see it in the, in the movie where Chris Evans plays it, where it's like he has this naivety is the wrong word, but it is it is idealism because yep. you see him acknowledge the gray and acknowledge people like Tony Stark or whatever sort of cynicism. And he goes, yeah, I suppose that's a thing that's out there, but I still want to believe this. You know, you can see him go, that's very much the way the world works, but I want to do this. Yeah. You know, and you, you see that sort of conflict with having to work within a system that he doesn't like and maintain his idealism and that's the thing like that that like you know marvel managed to do a version of the character that's very true to true to the character but also managed to make it interesting and snyder couldn't imagine a superman that was interesting if he wasn't you know the guy who snaps necks at the end of man of steel like he had to be this he had to be this guy who lets his dad die because his dad says maybe it's better to not save people and like you you kind of you know contrast that with uh steve rogers and the mcu saying like we don't trade lives you know um it's not worth giving up vision to save the universe he's like we're not doing that we'll find a way around it and in yeah and in man of steel it's yeah maybe you should have let those kids drown in the bus because everybody saw you use your powers and it's like what what version of the character is that that's nonsense i know it's it's kind of like it's a side a little bit of a side note but even in the justice league where his dad is talking to him and his biological father is talking to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In the Snyder Cut or the theater? There's like a voiceover. When he starts to... Oh, the Snyder Cut, yeah. Yeah, when he, f- yeah when, when he flies again, when he gets the black suit and when he flies the oh. second time, you can hear Russell Crowe and Costner, both voices kind of talking to him. This, this is why we loved you. We saw the best in you. We're, you know... Uh, the fucking black suit... <laughs> Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> it's kind of end of story. It it doesn't like the black suit in the comic books. They make some argument that it is a Kryptonian cast. In essence, it is a 
healing device put on once he's fought Doomsday to deal with the fact that he is hugely diminished. Zack Snyder never attempts to go into that. It's just, I want him in the black costume because I really want to be doing Batman. Yeah, no, he just wanted to put him in black. Yeah, yeah I want to put him in black I mean, costume. He's yeah. not even got his, his traditional Kryptonian healing mullet, you know? Yeah. But it's weird he put him in the black costume and then at the end of the movie where he's evil Superman, he's in his colored costume. He's in the blue and red costume. Yeah, he goes back to it. Like, But that, that'll tell you, like, he, he, he wants to pervert you know the symbol of the character because he thinks that's more interesting you know mm. so i have a few notes from when i watched uh the mm-hmm. snyder cut and they are all the like looking back at it now i'm going what was wrong with me this is very glib comments on things first of all who shaves in a shirt and vest we cut back to ben affleck after he's been to see aquaman he's on the airplane it's the roomiest private jet you've ever seen and it's just like that's the ad for razors and it's still in this fucking film. <laughs> mm. It was fucking ludicrous the first time. Diana's art restoration mm. outfit was a pristine white with a sort of decorative stitch number on the right shoulder. Like, don't you, like generally aprons, paint all over your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of grotty, dusty environment. But it's also she was just able to walk into like the fire that was all over the news and burning all night and stuff. And she was just able to casually walk in, pick up the arrow, jump to some random uh, cave temple and then... Aha, the cave temple, that shot. Wide establishing shot. She drops in, little bounce of the legs. I was like, oh, we're in a side-scrolling platformer now. 100%, yeah, 100%. That's what it looked like. It was so... She just jumped to the next level. There's a shot like that in The Hobbit as well, where Gandalf is rolling a boulder in front of him with 12 dwarves running behind him in that withdrawn view in 48 frames per second. And I thought I was watching Tolkien Pikmin. It was crazy looking. Sorry, I'm off. Come on, Brian. No, just kind of on the Wonder Woman thing. Um, like you compare the Whedon version to the Snyder Cut where she takes out those uh, terrorists. And the Snyder's version is so much more violent. Like she's oh, throwing guys against walls and their head, their heads are splatting. And then it, a girl at the end of it says, can I be you when I grow up? It's like, you've just watched her. <laughs> murder. Brutally, brutally murder people. Like nothing, like nothing heroic about it. Like yeah. just people, it, it, it was, it was kind of like the scene at the end of Invincible in terms of like swinging people around and like their heads, like, you know, being crushed like melons. Yeah. And this girl is going, yeah, yeah yes <laughs> but it was funny in that scene as well because it's just like well we found the psychopath in the but time. it's just like she was saving all those people and then uh, she does that whole like um with her bracelets or whatever she cracks them together and she sends you man obviously like through the fucking front of the building yeah. but like complete and utter devastation the bomb may as well have gone off to a degree like she blows she blows the complete front yeah. of the building out into the police and the uh, bystanders out in the front of it like that's and like that shrapnel didn't just blow forward you, you know what i mean like uh th- it doesn't yeah. just work like that to a degree but um yeah absolutely like it's just like she throws a bomb in the air and then blows the entire fucking block le- level of the building off like or up it's insane it's insane it's funny it's one of the things that like kind of bothers me when it comes up all the time in superhero stuff like the the kind of ongoing sokovia thing in the mcu where they're like they're blamed for what happened to sokovia and it's just like it just seems like it, it's introduced for like a narrative point where it's like you know they're not responsible for 
for the damage that happened there. Like the planet would have been obliterated otherwise. You know, there's there's not a lot of there's a lot of collateral damage the that just Tony created Ultron. Well, I mean, he did, but in in terms of like blaming the rest of the character, but and the point being that you see a lot of kind of collateral damage in this stuff, and it's just like it's it's not really avoidable. It's a consequence of trying to stop the thing. But then she makes <laughs> you contrast that with Snyderverse. She makes a conscious decision to like use her most powerful move on a human. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like she uses this against Steppenwolf, and it's devastating on him. And she's like, "Yeah, I'm going to use it on this one man, um, and just demolish the front of this building and all those people below." Like that's she could have, she could have, she could have just smashed his head like everybody else. You she could have lassoed him. Um, yeah. Like if yeah. she's like, like I'm like here, like uh, this, this is no like, um, I'm not criticizing Wonder Woman. I know it's like she's not obviously not a real person. I'm not criticizing Wonder Woman. It's literally more Zack Snyder, but it's just like Wonder Woman could have like just like she's able to stop bloody bullets, like as in like she's quick enough to see bullets fly from a gun and hit them with a bra- yeah. bracelet and kind of even like make eye contact, look at the look at the bullet hitting the bracelet. Do she can do all this stuff? Like she's like. They're going on basically how much fucking super speed she has in this super slow motion scene. Yeah. And then it's just like, she she just entirely obliterates a building. It's, it is actually bloody. I, I, yeah. Because I really didn't go on. No, no. I just have more flipping shit. Um, Aquaman rescues that fisherman. Wearing a vest for that little trip out. Drops the fisherman back at the bar. Decides time to take the shirt off to go swimming this time. And dramatically and slow motionally take off the vest that was good enough for the last swim. Then a woman smells it. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the start, actually yeah. earlier. I was going to say, that's when he takes off his Aaron sweater. And I was like, okay, I guess there's some mythology around him. So they sing this song as he leaves. But she like, yeah, she she definitely picks it up and gives it an Elma Moa sniff. She yeah. smells his jumper. <sighs> well, I was going to say about the Aquaman thing is stupid as well, right? Because... Every time he goes into the water, as you said, they do this big dramatic thing. Every time they do this big dramatic thing of him sexy taking his shirt off. And here, don't he's gorgeous. Like, he is, <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm not even trying to be like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not saying it in a kind of like, oh, I'm a lad. I'm going to touch my feet. It's like anybody fucking with eyes in their head would see he's a very attractive man. Like he is. He's beautiful. He's like, he has that ruggedness. He's great shape. All that kind of stuff. Why does he, why does he take off his jumper or his sweater or his t-shirt to go swimming? Like and he what he but he comes to the island fully clothed or is there bags of his clothes just all around the island or is he just littering islands with clothes and when he comes up he's just like oh there's one of my he shirts. took off an Aaron sweater yeah swam to get his vest rescued a fisherman came back and just littered also that that Nick Cave song everywhere. is just so on the nose it's just it's bad which was sorry Brian which one the the song that plays when he takes off the vest and it's like there is a king there is a kingdom and it's just. It's so on the nose, and it's it's laughable as well. Like just was that Nick Cave? Was it? Yeah, yeah. I like Nick Cave though. I like the song. Yeah, no, he's he's great. Yeah, but it was just you know the choice was just so on the nose. It's it's it's, 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 DC, isn't it? Aquaman was in Africa, and they were playing Africa. (laughs) Yeah, but like that's even funny, you know? Like it's it's the seriousness of. Of it in the, know, the Snyder yeah. Cut, you know, it's slow-mo and... Especially because in, in the trailer that we saw back in 2016, I think. Was it early 2017? I think it was a Comic-Con trailer and it was Icky Thump by the White Stripes. And it it's just, mm. it's a great trailer. And it, it just, that moment is particularly like the, the guitars in that trailer are kind of coming in when the waves are crashing. And it's just like, ah, that's mm-hmm. so silly, but it's 
I'm up for it. Like, give me that film. Give me that film 10 times over. Like, I, I think Snyder's biggest thing is, yeah, he, he really wants to make these kind of intellectual films. And it's just like, just make, just make 300. 300's great fun. Just, you know, no, 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 nobody can criticize you for 300 because it's, it knows what it is. It's fine. And it's silly and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else has done the thinking there though. You know, and that's always what I think is like if he has if he has a panel by panel that he can follow, if somebody's Watchmen. done the story, he's okay. a great like yep. what he brings yep. visually. I was just gonna say, like kind of visually, cool. like honestly his movies are good. Like kind of yeah, yeah, he's, so he's, many... he's he's a he's a music video director. He he understands yeah, so, yeah, exactly. he understands music and images. Like and there's like there's so much of it that kind of like in fairness, like there's a lot of it like just with the slow motion and the shots and the different things like that, like if you just freeze framed it or it'd be like an epic moment in a comic book or something. But I don't think it just, it just doesn't translate to the screen as uh, sincerely, you know? And I genuinely think like there's a decent director kind of in Zack Snyder who like, like I always, I actually love that scene in Batman vs Superman where uh, Martha Wayne's pearls get wrapped around a gun and as he pulls the trigger snaps the pearls, you know? And um, that might be from the comic books, but I just think it's really nicely done in the, in the, I never read the comments, but I just think it was really nicely done in the movie. But I was going to say, it's just like Zack Snyder when you're watching it. It's like, uh, it's like there's the, there's a director side of him that's kind of decent. And then there's the bloody, there's like, there's like a 12 year old who's just after downing 12 cans of monsters in early, in monster in early 2000s. And it's just going wild and wants it to be as orange and blue tones as possible or whatever. And just like beings of light in the sky, uh, girls with like molded chest plates, uh, big mostly like it's just it's just so like a 12 year old just giving a budget and being allowed to do whatever he wants it's it's some of it's rough real rough there's a, there's a couple of filmmakers and like the only one i can think of offhand is like where i think they're really good at one thing and if they did that like guillermo del toro has made great films but he's made a few that i think fall a bit flat and the the thing of it is, is I think he's an exceptional art director. I I think what it is with him, and if you compare Pan's Labyrinth to an English language movie, I think there's something in the translation that gets a bit lost. I I think there's there's a kind of a cheesiness or a goofiness in his English language films that doesn't translate that well, and I think probably works a lot better, um, because when you you know, when I when I read interviews or when I listen to interviews with Snyder, there's so much that I'm just kind of shaking my head, kind of going, where is this coming from? But like if you read or listen to an interview with Del Toro, mm. he knows his stuff, mm. you know, he's he's very he's he's he always seems like he's coming from the right place. Yeah, oh, basically, I, I think his taste is spot on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and just not not just in terms of art direction, but like he he knows film inside out and he's just got this great appreciation for for, for everything um, and I think something gets lost in translation but you know you read an interview with kind of Snyder and his take on something and it's just kind of shaking my head disagreeing with it
yeah. I realised that I've completely forgotten that J.K. Simmons was in the movie mm. when he shows up in, in the um, the police station. He got really buffed for that. Why did he get buffed for that? Oh, he's been buffed for years. He's been buffed for years. After after he did Oz, uh, he said like he was in Oz, which was years ago, a long time ago, and he was saying like he was playing this kind of scary dude, and he saw himself in in the show, and he was like, he's like, I'm not convincingly like I don't have the physique of of this character I'm playing, and since then he's been in shape. Since then he got in shape after seeing himself in that. He just kind of, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think what happened is they they announced he was in a Snyder movie, and then someone dug out a picture of him in the gym. And yeah, they were like, okay. They thought it was for that, but no, it's yeah, been since. Oz. He was in it. Yeah, he could also play Omni Man if he had yeah. hair, basically. He is. He is. Yeah, he uh, he's a great actor, in fairness, and he was. He I don't know if you watched Oz. Oz is I superb. Got, yeah, he was, he's uh, terrifying. He was. He was terrifying. He was I, I I don't know if you've watched uh, Cora, but he voices a character in that, and. Mm. I was a full season in, I think, before I realized. And like his name's in the credits and I just didn't see. But his character in Korra is so different from what he usually plays. And he's, he's brilliant. He, um, Have you watched Korra? Or? I've watched the first season. Yeah, I have. I've watched one of it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's Tenzin. He's, I remember you telling me. He's, our, he's the airbending master. He's Aang's son. And he's just so, yes, yes, he's just so yes. reserved and kind of yeah. thoughtful and quiet. And he's he's brilliant. Simmons is fantastic. I was going to say to you, um, th- this is uh, again just because like I like I watched the Justice League, and to be honest, I just I just think there is real issues with storytelling, and it's a little bit convoluted and confusing. Why is Martian Man like, Manhunter pretending to be Martha Wayne? <laughs> just like, like yeah, just, or uh, Martha and Martha Kent or whatever. Yeah, where like I understand, I I still don't quite get it. Maybe you know somebody's got some answer probably i'd imagine but when superman dies at the start and his like death cry awakens the mother boxes yeah um the mother boxes have been buried for thousands of years before clark arrived on the planet so like why didn't they just wake up then the whole idea is that they're afraid of the Kryptonian is like there was it was 30 years when he wasn't on the planet <laughs> and the mother boxes could have just woken up then why didn't Steppenwolf find them then why didn't Darkseid come back to Earth like did he forget where Earth was he he loses thousands well, do, of years they ago they, and, they do talk about that it, it's a revelation when Steppenwolf realizes that this is the planet where the mm. uh, anti-life equation is on so it's like this was a filing error. You lost the address. Yeah. Also, also, they they defeat the so like the god so it was like gods humans. It was gods humans. Amazonians, Amazonians, and Atlanteans, Atlanteans, and the Green Lanterns, and the Lanterns. At least one lantern and the Green Lanterns or something. Yeah, one Green Lantern. Yeah, not their best guy. No, (laughs) no. So hang on, so. So they they defeat anyways, um, Darkseid or whatever, and they have the mother boxes, and they have the mother boxes right, and there's three of them, and then they go into the story of them hiding the mother boxes, and it looks like they actually show more mother boxes than just three. To be honest, they're showing like the Atlanteans with their one, then they're showing the 
the Amazonians with their one. And then they show one being like blasted with fire. I think it's the humans putting a case in it. The humans burying in a fucking field. Yeah. Everybody else yeah. is like kind of like guarded, safe. Yeah, I, I think I think they the rejects from Lord of the Rings buried it in a fucking field. We're more closely related to squirrels than you'd think. Yeah. 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 Amazonians have like a whole thing where people are willing to die to protect it. The Atlanteans give it to like a kraken or something. Fucked <laughs> it in a field. But but again, I, I I think he really did want to do Lord of the Rings and the boxes are his version of the, the Ring of Power, you know, the like the elves yes, yeah, get yeah, yeah, eleven, yeah. men get nine or whatever. And that whole scene of what happens, like that it that's what he's going for. He's not interested in making a comic book movie. He wants to make three hundred again, but he wants to do it on a Lord of the Rings Superman. scale. Yeah. And superheroes is his opportunity to to do it, you know. Um, I've I've a couple more notes. Um, go on. The Nightcrawler is a decent name, but a shitty vehicle. Oh, the spider thing. I think it's supposed to be like a bat crawling in a cave as well. It looks like a crab, except it looks more spider-like. But Which I, like I think, crabs. yeah, Zach, I like crabs. But yeah, like I, if you've seen bats kind of crawl around caves, that's what it's supposed to look crab like. I think, but it, it doesn't work. Crab. Great if it moves really fucking fast and is an effective weapon. But if you're a guy building weapons, you go, well, that doesn't work. And you'd yeah. do something else. The fucking plane he's working on. The, the flying fox, the, also a type of bat. So. I would have preferred to see yeah, the technodrome, just, honestly. It just has better, better, I don't know, underground properties than whatever Batman had, the spider crab thing. And then um, my last note, well, I, uh, my last note is um, when they resurrect Superman. It looks like they gave him the note that you can have a hairy chest, but you have to shave your abs. So it looks like he's wearing a fur bra. I've done that. It's not a good look. <laughs> you you can shave it with your one blade, yeah. but you can't go zero. You know? No hair below the peck line. Yes. Yeah. It's not a good look. It's not a good look because he probably has hairy legs. So what's that about? Victor Stone. <laughs> uh, Victor Stone the cyborg isn't it a cyborg yeah terrible 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 again yeah. I don't people talk about like about how, how much improved his arc in the film is it's like no they gave him he has arc. one they, like, yeah it, they it, gave it, him one it, yeah it, it's like it's not it's not better They're like oh he's the heart of the film and I was like eh, I mean and that, that whole visualization of like <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at the financial markets with the bull and the bear oh. and it's just and he could see one's whole life play out and he just added her a few extra money I, I'm, I'm shaking my head uh, for, for the listeners uh, I'm shaking my head with my eyes closed yep. um, just just silly if you want to see and more again it break. wouldn't be so bad if it, if it didn't play it so seriously but it's yeah, yeah it's it's silly it's, just, it's a good it's, go on I just want to say as well, like Song to the Siren is, you know, one of my favorite songs. And when it just started playing, when Flash saves is it Iris. Oh. And that song, it's just like, I love that song. And it's just terrible, terrible choice for that moment. Just. I, I went from really liking Ezra. Yeah. No, terrible in it. He's annoying. To having to see these scenes of him so many times now and like he's popped up in other things he popped up in the tv version of the mm. flash mm-hmm. as his barry allen um, i'm i'm just i'm kind of sick of his 
Stimmt. Yeah, I was excited to see him play it. And, you know, people were saying, oh, he's got no business playing it at first. And I was like, oh, no, I'm kind of excited to see what he does. But tired of it, really, at this point. There was a moment where the Flash had to read light speed in the tunnel to... His running looks awful as well. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, it's so it's bad. It's so bad. The hand movements and stuff is just not just, great. Yeah. And they, they've tried to justify it saying it's supposed to be like a speed skater. It's like, no, it looks bad. Speed skaters look cool. Uh, this is this is bad. Yeah, it does look like the least effective way to... Like, you, you see sprinters and they're trying to eliminate drag and, like, make their movements more efficient. And he's doing... Uh, whatever he's doing. I mean, it was it was a kind of cool, I don't know. It was a cool kind of sequence that last sort of travel back in time to undo shit, but it just it, it didn't work. For, and it's like him talking to his dad that whole time in slum. Like, I don't know, he, he's saying something like, you know, it, it's all happening at the same time. And it's supposed to be this big powerful moment, and it just didn't work um, for me, at least. If anything, like right now, off the top of my head, it reminds me of. A scene that I love in Speed Racer when he's winning the race at the end and he hears Susan Sarandon kind of, you know, he hears everybody basically throughout the film telling him, you know, and Susan Sarandon, I think, is one of the last people she says, you know, when we see you do what you're doing out there on the track. And it's just, I think anybody who's seen the film that even didn't like it can agree that that's a really effective moment in the film. I don't know if you remember that well, but it reminded me of that where... I don't, I, I have seen that movie a few times, but I... It's I'll send that. I'll send just the scene to you later. Um, yeah. It's when he's running the race at the end, and in particular, there's a conversation he has with Sarandon in, in his room, and it's in a quieter point of the film, and the kind of the film slows down. But when it plays out again in his head when he's winning the race at the end, it's it it's very effective. It's a very effective moment, and that's what it reminded me of. Um, I felt like it was going for for that, uh, especially given that there, it's about you know speeders <laughs> and their parents kind of saying inspiring things to them but speed race is great when are we doing a speed racer special episode i've never seen it <laughs> have you not kevin no genuinely we should and it, kevin you haven't seen it it's, and it's also it's pronounced i it's love pronounced it sarandon sarandon i've been saying that wrong for years Su- susan sarandon sarandon what have you been saying sarandon same thing. It's like I used to say Tony yeah. Colette. I, I used to say Tony Coletti. It was Colette. It's Colette. Yeah, you're wrong in that. Yeah. You're, you're wrong for that. Yeah. I know I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. I'm sorry if you're listening. Sorry, Aiden. Back on track. Yeah, I'm just trying to bring us around a little bit to... I'm, I mean, the problem is that there's yeah. another Aquaman movie in the mm-hmm. works. Is there a third Wonder Woman coming? Yes, I would imagine. Yeah. But, um, but um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the director. She's off it, isn't she? She's gone doing There's Star Wars movies. There's a bit of... It's not clear yet. Patty Jenkins. Um, I think she'll be back, to be honest, because I think it's bad press for them to... She, she can... She, she can take a lot of credit for the success of the first film. And... However, the second film went, you know, you can put a lot of that down to the pandemic as well. Who knows what type of box office it would have had, whether you like the film or not. I think it'd be a bad press move for them to <laughs> to, to get rid of her, unless it's her own choice and she decides, no, I'm going to do the Star Wars thing instead. 
Did, did we talk about this? Did we talk about this Wonder Woman movie last week? I've not watched it yet. Mm, let's move on to it after. I I I kind of want to say one thing. I guess if we want to wrap up the Justice League thing, unless you want to come back to it, yeah. people are talking about like it's it's a kind of a big example of the power of the kind of fan movement and that it's um it's a big win for them and what will what effect will this have going forward i don't think so to be honest i see it as it was a smart business move there there was enough reason for them to say let's spend 70 million and we're estimating it'll get us this much in new subscribers to hbo max and we can do it because that they were so quick once it came out, a week after it came out, it was on to here's what's happening next. Like the Snyder does Snyderverse isn't happening. Here's what's coming up next. We've got Flash, we've got Aquaman, we've got all this other DCs coming up. Let's put the Snyderverse to rest. People have been talking about, oh, look what the fans were able to achieve. And it's like, I think they basically just projected like there's this much talk about it online. If there's this much talk and we spend fifty to seventy million, it works in terms of we need new content for our platform it gets us four hours of of new content and it gets us an estimated x amount in subscribers that's why it worked it's not because they finally listened to the fans it's it cannot be ignored that the release like the official announcement i just googled it here the official announcement for the snyder cut was the 21st of may 2020 so we're two months into a pandemic yeah. and shooting it stopped somebody looked around and said what have we got that's ready for post exactly yeah. What have we got that could there, be there's enough in the of, future? Because we can't yeah. get on a set. Because the, it, it, it was clear the whole time that people thought there was a version of this film that was ready to go, like an assembly cut in a sec. There wasn't. Like it needed extra kind of connective shots. Um, it needed that extra 70 million, you know, to tie it together. Like it would have been a very incomplete. There, there wasn't a Snyder Cut, basically. There wasn't. They had to go back and. That whole epilogue. It's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. K N K N I G H T nightmare. That's what they call that sequence. Uh, I hate it. He's in a trench coat and he's got a gun. I hate it. But even okay to put that in there, and the Joker office, and like he knows he's not doing more with this film, and to be so ambiguous then about how or why Joker is involved at all. Why is the Joker behind Batman? To give him a redress. Clearly, he says it. It's right there in the film. A, a, a Batman invited him there, and then like Batman's shocked he's there or something. They're clearly not in the scene together either. Oh man! <laughs> oh, that that shot looks like you know the MTV Movie Awards when they would cut to like a little yeah, girl yeah. in the Matrix yeah. bit. It looks like that. It looks like like he looks like he's wearing yellow kitchen gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's be honest. The CGI is is absolutely fucking shocking in the movie. It's just up and down. Yeah, like I think I said, I think I said to you when I was watching it first, like I won't even hold that against mm. it. Yeah, I didn't. To be honest. Time, yeah. Yeah, but but at the same time, don't have so many unfinished shots in there, especially when they don't serve the rest of the scene. Like that that mm. scene with Steppenwolf attacking the Amazon Amazonians doesn't need to be that long the horses are, there's so many unfinished shots in there it's just like just yeah. just leave it out just right we better move on to the go to the old uh falcon and winter soldier we didn't even get to the new yeah. gods <laughs> the yeah i mean look they they yeah. that's kind of what i was where i was going they've 
Please tell me. I, I believe so. Um, Wonder Woman's still around. I could do with them cancelling that. Uh, I could do with them getting rid of Aquaman. Like, they, they tried to do this sort of like, what we're going to do is standalone movies. I watched Aquaman again recently. And like, I think what I said to it, I, I saw it in the cinema. And I remember like texting you guys afterwards. I remember there was like one or two points where there was like 12 year olds in the cinema that were just loving it. And I was like, this film is going to be a hit if, you know, if, if this kid tells his friends about it, like they're going to want to see it. And it, it's, it's a, it's a very silly film. Yeah, that's and, fair enough. I don't mind that to be honest, but it, it, it works basically. And, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I can, I can see why it was a big hit and I don't mind that they're going to make a second one, you know? Um, I'll go see it, to be honest. I'd be more excited about seeing that than than the Suicide Squad. The, the problem with the Wonder Woman and the Aquaman components of this existing universe is they kind of work. But I just, I want the clean slate. I, I want the, like, you guys have the foundation of a brilliant universe. I think that's why the Flash movie is going to go ahead. Because that's going to have a multiverse angle to it as well. And it's going to it's going to make a case for these characters existing without affecting the kind of interconnected it, it's going to be a way of saying we can have robert patterson pattinson as batman and he's not the same batman as the one that gal gadot and jason momoa know it's a, a different batman because of because of and something the flash does and, there as well. yeah i think that's why despite everything because ezra miller's had some kind of weird stuff in the press as well and i think I think that's the reason it's going ahead. Is it? And he choked some woman in a nightclub. I don't think it was a nightclub. I think it was just like in a, it was store a cafe or something. Or something. A cafe, yeah, yeah. Um, very strange. But I think that's the only reason it's going ahead. If it does indeed go ahead, is to establish that we can have we can have two characters who were in the Snyderverse and not be connected to this new Batman. Because Keaton and Affleck are supposed to be in the in the Flash movie as but well. But see, that so. that goes back to what I was saying last week about like time travel and multiverse stuff being this fucking complete maze, this this minefield that you have to walk. And the problem with me from for me with the DC end of it is they're starting with the minefield and they're hoping to get to something stable. That's the thing. Like when you look at how many fans there are of the MCU that have never picked up a comic but can follow the MCU. And they get it and they're invested in it and never read a comic. And for whatever reason, I guess maybe just because it was, I mean, there's a lot of people that are just regular cinema goers, you know, they just go on a Friday or Saturday night and they got invested in these. Well, what I mean is like, there's, there's, there's so many people I talk to that are just massive MCU fans that only know the characters from the MCU. And that's, that's, that's cool. That's cool. But what I'm saying is, is they know the ins and outs. They know how all these things connect. And you can do a multiverse story with them because they've been following it. You know, they, they, they'll be able to parse through. They're not going to be kind of going, who's this? What's, what's going on? What's that over there? Um, they'll get it. And well, I- Warner Brothers wanted to kind of rush straight to the Justice League movie without kind of setting them up. And even if you want to do things your own way, like that's, it's, it's a, it's a risky move to want to just go straight to the the team up film and then to decide you're going to do the multiverse stuff immediately afterwards. Just it seems very. I I I don't know. Is that? I mean, the multiverse stuff is happening 
in the middle of the team. In Batman vs. Superman, we've got the Flash popping in and going, hey, there's a multiverse. Or there's time travel elements going well, on they, here. And they, 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 did announce, they did announce this week that Robert Pattinson's Batman would take place in like Earth 2 or something. Yeah. But... but what I mean is, is, is they don't have that... They don't have the same kind of loyal fan base for the movies that the MCU has and it's well, like a hundred percent like they're like it's like kind of honestly like kind of some of the stuff in the like the Justice League and the kind of the DC movies it's just kind of like it's like you have a you have an, a monster coming from space that wants to find three boxes it's the very it's like you know it's the same as fucking Thanos coming to Earth looking the, for the, the thing is degree. well that's the that's the Kirby of but like all, the, the thing is you can look at you can look back through like major studios like before there's an mcu you can look at like dreamworks and pixar releasing like the same versions of and you you, you can and see that bugs life yeah you, you can see that all the I, way I know back. yeah you see it all the time and yeah, and yeah. you see it now like there there was supposed to be a new gods movie and there's an eternals there was a civil war and there was a batman versus superman there's a multiverse happening in doctor strange and there's a multiverse happening in warner Bros. what i'm saying is is they've no problem kind of having a competing um, you know, alternate version like there's Shang Chi and there's there's Mortal Kombat. They've no problem kind of having it. But what I'm saying is, why not then just uh, ape the strategy that worked for Disney? Yes, and just yeah. don't just go, like don't be you don't, cheap. You don't have to defend it at all. Instead, they're saying we're not going to do it that way. Like they're they're trying to defend them as kind of business decisions, and it's just like you're you're still releasing competitor movies. Why not just say? We saw them do it over here, and we think it's fantastic. And we think that we've got great characters in our, in our library, and we think there's a great audience for them too. And just just fucking shamelessly copy it, <laughs> rather than saying no, we're going to rush straight through it. And it makes no Once sense. Once the iPod worked, people just started yeah. making MP3 players. You know, they didn't try and fucking push mini disc yeah. again. Um, but like, there's the the seventies, um, like Stan soapbox. <clears throat> comic book stuff would refer to DC as the distinguished competition. Um, I love that, like, lively yeah. shit. You know, we're doing the same stuff. What they do over at the distinguished competition, <laughs> right. So, on that sort of damp squid of a comic, I'll move us on to uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. You were saying it didn't work for you. That's I've, I've talked to a few people that are really not enjoying it, and I... You know, the episode or the series? The series in general. Um, and... I tried to, I guess, look at this a little more objectively in this episode because I've been going into it going, we're going to talk about it, take notes. Um, and I don't even think I really had to... I don't think I was particularly influenced by talking to people this week because I really don't like what they did with Zemo. I think they've undermined Zemo. <laughs> He's closer to the comic books, I guess, but like... I, I get it. I've seen people say the same thing, but I, I don't agree necessarily because he was still very enigmatic in Civil War. And he sort of, he cuts through the film. He, he's not he's not the central conflict, really. And that's the point, is that he, he kind of finds a way to pit them against each other. And I know they, I know they kind of effectively retconned the character, but he's he's pretty thinly sketched in civil war i don't think it's bad i think it works but i don't think it i don't think it has to reset or undermine i, I watched civil war 
just during the week, I think Wednesday night or something. So it's still pretty fresh. So the character's pretty fresh and I didn't mind what they did. I, I get it's a retcon. I get it's quite different, but they basically mentioned that he's the head of some like death squad kind of military. I don't think that excludes him being a baron, you know? I don't, I don't think it excludes him being a baron. It's just, he went from this and as you say, thinly drawn kind of character that isn't really the central crux that sort of skirts through the film pitting them against each other. And I think Daniel Bruhl's having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I think this hurts what they established and they could have established more about the character without adding this kind of goofy, puckish element to him. Um, he's kind of, kind of Loki-ing through the place a little bit. Even at the end of Civil War, in the one or two things he says to to Steve when he's like, you know, so nice to finally see a flaw. I think that element of that mischievousness is still in there, I think. I think it's always kind of been there a bit. It just doesn't... I, I, I get what people are saying. It just... it. Uh, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I think we saw so little of him in Civil War that why can't he be this kind of puckish character, you know? Particularly when our introduction to him is, is he's pretending that he's crashed his car into the guy's lawn and then he comes in. Like he's, he's it's already been established that he's quite a deceptive character and he, he's, he's deceptive. He, he, he masquerades as Bucky in Civil War, you know? So he has always been this kind of deceptive character. So now we just to see him actually have fun with it. Yeah. Reveling in it. And why wouldn't he? So let's go back to the beginning of the episode then. What was the opening? There was a commercial first, wasn't there, for the global... Did it open with that? There was a, an ad for the global repatriation committee or, yeah, or council or committee, whatever it is. It opened with that, I think. I like that they're thinking about that stuff. You there, Kev? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm listening. Did he, did he, did he sneak <laughs> off to the bathroom for a minute? <laughs> so it opens with the global repatriation committee, which is an interesting thing to think about. And it's like... Yeah, I, I, I was confronted with, my thought was everybody popped back in and went back to their homes and whatnot, but it's like, oh, it's been five fucking years, you do sell those properties, you, yeah, the world would shift out from Monday over five years, that's a, that's a hell of a fucking thing to, um, deal with. Um, so what came after that then? I think there was there was a scene of Walker Walker raiding it, yeah, and then Walker at the end of that, yeah, he says, you know, we got to bet on somebody with a better hand, and it cuts to Bucky and Sam in the the prison. Then, so yeah, it goes from Walker getting spat in the face, um, to the prison talking to Zemo, and then from there, it's Bucky explaining hypothetically how Zemo might escape, only for Zemo to then walk into the the place having escaped. Okay, what did you think of the escape? Uh, I thought it was fine. I, I, I heard people kind of complaining about it as well. I, I thought it was fine. Like it's, it, it made sure that the episode moved along quick and quickly, you know. Um, it doesn't need to be this big elaborate sequence, I it, think. So it didn't become how do we get Zemo out? Yeah, it's like, it's, they just yeah, they, they kind of talk about it as if it's this hypothetical thing that they might go do, and then it it's revealed. No, that's that's how he did it, and and here he is. Um, yeah, I I, I get like I I saw people saying like you know that they could kind of see 
the mechanics of the script and like the production in that we we can't spend too much time doing this so here's how we show it happen and explain it happening without spending too much time there it was fine like it it was it was perfunctory but it wasn't didn't pull me out of the story there you know i think that's the the word for it though it's just the perfunctoriness of it i just just it is a bit yeah so much time trying to get him in prison and yeah um, but it it, it, like i said it it kept it moving along for me which i kind of you once 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 you know that he's getting out you don't need to spend too much time getting him out either it's like let's get him out and move on to the more interesting thing which is madripoor you know which is cool it's nice to see did you think madripoor was cool uh yeah it was, you know, we only got like a little, in terms of, I was happy with the amount of what we saw, given that it was a TV production, you know, I'd kind of expect to see a bit more establishment of it in, in a film, but it was still, it was cool to see just the fact that it's, it's such a big part of the X-Men and now it's in the, it's in the MCU. It's kind of cool to see. And there was a reference to the bar that Logan goes to. There's a sign for it, which is kind of cool to see as well. Mm-hmm. There's a sign there. It's not it's not the bar they go to, but you see the sign for the bar that that he's there in, basically. So it's kind of cool to imagine that uh, mm. had they gone to that bar instead, would they would he be there? Probably not because they haven't cast him yet. But you get you get the idea. There's the scene where Carly is. I don't know if it's meant to be her mother, or sister, or an aunt, the the person with TB who's yeah. passed away, and. I was looking at that from a sort of like an actor's standpoint and like I I have made a few short films and I've done a little bit of acting in like an amateur, very amateur level and every so often I'll see a scene like that where I think about how odd and disjointed a screen actor's day, life, career or job can be, you know? Mm-hmm. Like she rolled up to set that morning, got told, this is someone that means a lot to you. You're not going to exchange words. You're just going to look at her meaningfully and cry. We're going to spend four hours shooting that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, like, that's such an odd job. You know, the, you get these little disjointed moments of the thing you're trying to do. And you have to sell them with complete conviction. That occurs to me as well quite a bit when, not even necessarily in the emotional scene, just when two scenes where you might see an actor might be so far apart and they've got to pick up the thread of the previous scene. But for the actor, they might've, it might've been the first and last things they shot over three months, but it connects to a previous scene, which they're not in, but they've got to pick up mm. the narrative thread and the emotion. Like I can't think of a good example, but yeah, but like the, yeah. There, there, there could be a scene not involving them, involving two other characters and it could lead to this kind of dramatic revelation. And then you cut to the, the actor it's affecting and they're playing it and yeah you know they've got to understand it okay so these two other people who aren't in the scene with you who you haven't actually met uh they've just learned this thing and now you've got to you know act the scene with the with all the intensity of that revelation it's just like that's a hard job it's yeah it's a little aside on acting there (laughs) there's something that's um oh there's just an inherent silliness to it yeah you know yeah but I mean, have to sort of put in the file over here. Go, this is so silly. Yeah, um, I'm not doing this. My character's doing this, and this is why I'm able to do it without yeah. being embarrassed for myself. 
which is why so much of what you learn in a drama class at the start is just about like getting out of your own skin then we have the so we have the gunfight in the bar and we get on to professor nagel is that his name well before that we've got oh, sharon, sharon carter yeah revealed to be quite different and that's the thing as well i mean you could argue that they they undo a lot of stuff with her character because when you think she's got this important moment in civil war where she kind of says that quote from the comics that steve rogers says it in the comics and then sharon says it at the funeral and she attributes it to peggy like basically you know when, when somebody tells you to move it's your job to stand in front of them and say you know you first basically and it resonates so much with steve in the funeral and she's the one who says it to him and now she's quite a different character all these years later and you could argue that's a kind of a betrayal of what they did with her but at the same time it's you know characters are allowed change especially when you see so little of them in in a film like they're allowed it's okay to learn more about them it doesn't have to undermine I don't think it undermines the death of Zemo's family to learn that he's he's rich. Even if it is just to serve the plot and give them a private jet. It's just like I can roll with it. It doesn't it it doesn't break it for me. Mm. Um and same with Sharon. Like she's quite different, but it's like, well, I guess she would be. Well that that's the thing. We see her in Civil War. There's two years there's two years on the run post Civil War, then there's five years of blip. Yeah. She has seven years to change since we last saw her. Yeah, exactly. When you think of it like that, you're like, holy fuck, actually. Because I, I did sort of have a little like whiplash moment where like, wait, she's a criminal art dealer in Madripoor now? How the fuck did this happen? It's like, oh, seven years. I liked Bucky's line as well, where she's like, oh, she's she's terrible now. <laughs> it's quite funny. It was, uh, it was, what was the line? I, she says something about heroes being a load of bullshit and Bucky. And it was funny because Bucky says it, it exactly at the moment where I was thinking I mean, now. Bucky says... Oh, so she's horrible now. It's quite deadpan and it's it's funny. I like the way it goes back to little moments in the Winter Soldier and Civil War without necessarily retreading them. But just even the when he's looking through Bucky's book uh, of all the like, you know, the people he's making amends with and it's revealed that it's the same notebook Steve had and then Sam mentions, you know, I told him to listen to Trouble Man and they've got this conversation that Bucky's like, yeah, no, I, I liked it. It's fine. And... Simo's telling him why he should like it more and Sam's like you know he's out of line but he's not wrong <laughs> uh, I thought that was a, like that's a very silly moment to have with the guy who's responsible for a civil war but I like that it's in there you know um, I thought that's fun better than the hot dog scene in uh, Justice League better than the hot dog scene in Justice League absolutely what did you make of the episode Kev? Uh, I, well like you know I, I I liked it. Definitely kind of like not the not the strong. What, what was it? Not the strongest. I know maybe that's not fair to say. I I kind of did like it because it was cool to see character back. It, it, uh, it didn't have a standout action set piece like to the same level as the first definitely episode. the first episode and the second episode to an extent. I really liked seeing Winter Soldier in the bar. That that moment worked for me. I really liked. Like, yeah. It didn't. It, it to me it was a moment where it's like I don't need a crazy fucking action set piece. This is a cool moment. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't need to be elaborate. It doesn't need to be a, 
a kind of a featured set piece just so long as it doesn't look like it's trying to be more than it is that that's that's what always pulls it out for me is like the first example that's jumping to my head is like an action scene in an episode of Buffy and it's like they clearly don't have the time to choreograph these scenes but there's an extended fight sequence where I'm supposed to believe that everybody not not just not just Sarah Michelle Gellar but like everybody in the scene is supposed to be a badass and it just and it works for plenty of other people I think maybe it's you know I watch so many martial arts movies it it kind of I'm more critical of them but yeah, I don't need it to be a, a big featured set piece. Just don't dwell on it too long if you haven't had the time to to choreograph it and sell it. There's a scene where Bucky, the Falcon, and Zemo are walking like in a corridor and a slow motion, and it's like literally for like two seconds. I don't know if you remember it, but like that was better slow motion than just asleep. <laughs> you know, it was just. It was a it was a palate cleanser, so I I enjoyed it. It's like I, I was actually when I put it on after Justice League last night, I was just like, oh, it's just it's nice to see something that I can actually see and make out, and you know. Anyway, I, I I'm a Marvel fanboy, so I I know it's like biased to a degree, but I love like when I, you know as a teenager watching martial arts films and like just loving slow motion and really grating when people are critical of it, but then to see bad examples of it being used like some i think some people are just you know they see slow motion and they're immediately critical of it you know they think it's this kind of Mm. style over substance thing but yeah like again i guess you know comparatively i think it's okay to kind of compare justice league and this so often because civil war and batman versus superman came out the same year were very similar films about you know a villain pitting two two people together so i think it's i think that comparison it's okay to keep going back there but in justice league we see wonder woman use her powers like she dodges the bullet in slow motion and she does some things in slow motion and then we see her do it at full kind of real time super speed and then it does slow motion like another two or three more times and like the whole point of slow motion is to kind of it's basically to kind of let a moment. moment yeah just yeah just to just like just to demonstrate that either it's whether it's a person's abilities or whether it's to just the weight of the moment but in that scene he uses it at least it must be at least three times kind of like consecutively as well you know and it's just it's like edit that together a different way it it doesn't work it's you're breaking the flow of of the moment mm. i liked that they put a number on the super soldiers Mm-hmm. Um, they said there's 20 doses out there because I just I do want to fucking curtail this a wee bit otherwise we're just going to get 20 doses means we can see those doses whittle down we can see the flag smashers start to pair, pair away we get down to a manageable number I imagine John Walker's going to end up with one of them he mm-hmm. had a nice moment where they were like I imagine this is going to be off the books and he goes if we get the job done do you think they'll care how we did it that's such a mm-hmm not steve moment yeah like it's such a, uh, and th- th- there's even a line he has in the second episode there's a line he has in the second episode where he mentions i can't remember what it is exactly but he mentions two weeks before his he's about to do his, this interview he was prepping for some special ops mission and it's kind of implied that it's a bit you know kind of wet shady. work type stuff yeah it's kind of shady mm-hmm. and it's 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 Izzy, that character. It's funny because I was watching Civil War during the week and I was just trying to figure out, they're never really clear on, like, is it the exact 
serum that Steve was given. And then like, shouldn't Steve be kind of more, not necessarily powerful, but a bit more unique just in, in terms of what the character represents in the world. And then we just kind of think about the process where it was given the serum and he was kind of infused with the, the Vita rays, which like drained the entire energy from the block. And it also, it, you know, it cured his polio and whatever else he was sick with. And he was also four foot 11 and he's, he's six foot two. And I was thinking like, are these other serums, are they the same thing? Because we do see in the civil, in civil war, the other winter soldiers, when they get a dose of it, they are noticeably, they're not skinny, but there is that scene where I think it's actually played by Evans's stuntman, but there's a scene when they give it to him first and he's, he's like, you know, he's having, it looks like a bad physical reaction to it. And then when it cuts to him later, he's, he's noticeably bigger but it's still not the same as, you know, curing polio or whatever. And it's like, are they getting the same version of the serum or is Steve a bit more special because there's the rays? And then Nagel mentions, it's interesting that then they, they included that line, Nagel saying, mine's the optimum version. Uh, you know, there's no bulking up and stuff. It's like, But does that mean it's just optimized in terms of the results it has on the person? Because Erskine's serum, it brought out you know, there's a reason Red Skull looks the way he looks. It's because it brought out this, you know, toxic, awful part of him. And like, does he mean it's optimized in terms that there's no negative effect, or does it just, or is it just them saying anybody can be a super soldier now, and we don't need to spend uh, a fortune on a trainer to bulk them up? <laughs> it's like, is is that the yeah, point of that, that line, really? On, you know, or I yeah, know. I thought that, I thought yeah. that because like, but like, basically, like, but it's it's but like it's it's, it's true. You know what I mean? Like, because if you look at the flag smashers, it's not as if like, like the, the yeah, girl no more shirt shots. at the end. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like you yeah. could see, for example, like, uh, is a uh, I was blanking in Brie Larson, who's Captain Marvel. <laughs> she went through a huge physical transformation yeah. to yeah. be Captain Marvel, you know, and uh, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, I get it for the TV show to a degree. It's a TV show, but it's just like, yeah, it's, she doesn't have to. Like, they're kind of saying like, that, that's what I thought straight away. It's just like, yeah, they're saying like, they don't have to be buff dudes or buff girls. Yeah. Kind of just be I like, like it. They do. I bristle. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I, again, it's, if, if they want to say that, yeah, look, they're super strong, but they're not Steve Rogers level strong, yeah. but they can still be a threat. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that that level of it but it did feel like they were going out of their way to say these are all captain america level threats but they just won't look like chris evans did (laughs) because because even chris even chris evans didn't look chris evans didn't take his shirt off again like throughout the rest of the mcu he's got that one big reveal where he comes out of the tank and he looks phenomenal like go back Mm -hmm. and watch like he he looks ridiculous and for the rest of the films, he's always got a vest on. Like his arms look great. He's clearly in shape, but mm. I, I, I do think there's a part of it. There, there is a lot of money that they do spend on. on it's not just the time of, it's not just the, the time that the trainer and the actor has to spend. Sorry. Um, there is also just the, like time is money effectively. So it's not just the, what they have to put in it. It's like, we got to factor into our schedule that it's going to take them six months and, and a dose of steroids to, to get to this shape, you know? 
Mm. Gotta get me some of them Marvel steroids. Um, Should have given some to Daniel Rand. <laughs> oh Jesus! Um, one of the things I laughed at was um, Zemo spotting the mask in the back of the car, and I went, "What the fuck is that mask about?" And then when it finally comes into play, I went, "Oh, it's a stunt mask, so you can have a different person <laughs> yeah. jump off a container." Yeah and do a little bit of a flip and a fight it's like oh stunt mask I like oh. seeing Zemo do that to be honest oh yeah yeah, yeah. Was it wasn't but Zemo the character it was the character I liked it I liked, I liked I used to like Zemo in the comic books I Zemo's was, great I was I don't know when I grew up I used to love Zemo and Kang Kang was brilliant Jesus Kang, I saw Kang. somebody recently talking uh, I can't remember who it was it was somebody on Twitter just talking about how like comic book costumes should look kind of bright and colourful and stuff and that I think I think they were making the point that uh too many artists now are trying to bring like in the comics they're trying to bring costumes in line with the the film versions where they look like they're kind of functional and stuff and they were saying like they don't have to be and it's like i do want my films versions to look kind of functional and stuff and i don't think they can't either as well because especially and i'm comparing to, to manga again but i think manga really does kind of functional costumes but in a, an iconic way i think they've always done that quite well but at the same time, then I was just looking at like pictures of Zemo from, I don't know when, like, you know, in the comics years ago and like just such a silly costume, if you think about it too long. But just in terms of like in a comic, purple and fur and, mm. and yellow, it's just like, it looks fantastic. It's, it's I love it. Gold. Yeah, it's, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, there's room for both. And I think Zemo, I think you could have a Zemo looking like, could absolutely have Zemo with gold and fur and purple in the MCU as well and, and look great because mm-hmm. I think his his does translate to uh, the functional kind of tactical thing as well, you know. Um, I think it can lend itself to that. Well, like Zemo, if I think back to, like I'm trying to remember him, he has this real like post-World War Two, World War One German flight jacket, fur yep. and high boots, sort of like a Franco-Prussian. I'm just... Re- all the German things I can think of, but like that, that militarized, like riding that, that coat, and a crop, but like, I am the German. That coat they gave him as well was great. Like, I think he has a monocle. Uh, the coat yeah. they gave him was great in the, in the episode. Like it looked, it very yeah, much looked that. And then, and then he has his little dance moves. That's another thing, actually. Um, the first Avenger had great costumes. Red Skull in first Avenger, his costume is, is great. Like before he even, like Hugo Weaving, before he even, has the you know the red skull the his when he when he walks into that is it a church or something and he finds the tesseract like his costume in that scene like costumes in first avenger are fantastic including cap's first costume like they made it look like a was it a kind of paratrooper element and stuff to it and uh yeah brilliant brilliant costumes that's a that's a great film there was a sort of comic to movie backlash in like the early 2000s when like post x-men comic characters yeah. started having sort of black leather suits and it was, yeah. it was mm-hmm. a sort of like are you going to give up trying to bring i guess they thought movies with superheroes would only work if you sort of normalize the costumes yeah. and they tried to feed that into the comics and ultimates definitely took some of that concept mm-hmm. of trying to normalize the Avengers outfits mm-hmm. and that will have fed into viewing them as doable in film. Like, Oh, we could actually, yeah, we could actually transfer this into film. And then, then once you see it, there's this little, now let's find the line of like, can we make it a little more comic-y? Um, Wanda's 
Wanda's Halloween costume, Scarlet Witch. It's great. Is great. And I <laughs> I guess it wouldn't fit next to anybody else, but it's like, that's great. Let's do but like that. The, the thing is, they, they could simply add a couple of lines to that bright red just to sell it as something a bit tactical and it, and it would work it would work just as well um i think i even showed you like there was an example of somebody on tiktok and just the gear she was wearing riding was like this very snug but clearly you know serves a purpose for riding it's like give make make that red and put a cape on it <laughs> you've got your i was gonna say did they change batman's costume did they give batman a new costume in this in this one in the it's justice League remake the goggles? No, not the goggles. Like, because initially, like, as far as I was remembering the original, anyways, he he's got a slightly more armored up one. By the time they yeah. get on the the flying fox, I think it's it's different there. Yeah, I did not pick up that that was called the flying fox. <laughs> I, I but it, it's so. It, um, I get that it's a bad. Thing. It's it's another thing as well that it. Yeah. I think it just kind of. Maybe I'm overanalyzing, but I think it kind of speaks to the mindset Snyder has when he does this. It's such a big plot point that he's building this people carrier and it's such a huge thing and like Cyborg has to help him finish it. And it's like you're you're in this world where the mother boxes exist and you can bring Superman back to life and Amazonians are real and he's cyborg exists and he's kind of struggling to create the flying fox whereas over in the mcu they've got the quinjet it's just like there it is it exists quinjets exist and it's like it's it's this streamlined thing that like not everything in your comic not everything in your comic book movie has to be justified or built up to you can just have them and the audience will will go yeah cool i'm in i'm on board you're expecting me to believe that all of the millions of dollars got paid to build this fucking thing and fit whatever purpose it was originally designed for do you've you've built into it the the size and space of cargo hold to carry whatever amount of weight and whatever but the fucking thing didn't fly from the get-go yeah there there were things that like look like that in the world today already they just don't look like you know futuristic but and he makes a point that he needs it to be able to carry more weight it's like we never see a reason for that it's not like the fucking Dark Knight Returns tank comes out of it at any point, which was kind of teased in the trailers leading up to the release of the Snyder Cut. Yeah, the Batmobile comes out of it though, isn't it? That's about it. Yeah, but that's that's it. Five people in a Batmobile. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that, that's what I mean. Like he, Snyder, his his starting point always seems to be that I'm not going to give you the version of the characters straight away. We're going to earn them and build up to them. It's just like no, just. Give give us give give it now. I want it now. <laughs> is it the DC ten is the cargo plane that the military uses? I'm not sure, well, but yeah, like something like it exists. They, they stick yeah. fucking tanks in yeah. the back of that thing with troops, and they fly from America to the Middle East, and then they whatever cruise does the Halo jump out of in the last Mission Impossible film, like effectively looks the same. You know, from the interior, just the outside is different, and it's just like. We've we've got off of the Falcon um, <laughs> and the Winter Soldier there, so let's let's bring it back. It's just fucking Spider Man. Um, but I, I think I think I think the comparisons make sense, though. Yeah, absolutely. But just to bring us around mm-hmm. here as we we head towards an hour and a half, the 
the last beat then is the Black Panther connection. Yeah, AO. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. Zemo. Yeah. That was was AO Black Panther's like guardian, bodyguard. In in the Dora Milaje, uh, AO is in Civil War and then the the actress uh-huh. from The Walking Dead, it's Denai Guerrera, is that how you pronounce it? She she's given more she's 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 the head of the Dora Milaje in the Black Panther film and then she kind of takes over as the So AO is still in the film, but it the the role, the kind of prominent role is uh, Denai Guerrera. Um Oh, so okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. then it's yeah. it's AO again from I do I do remember her yeah. now, yeah. Um yeah. So she's the one she's in Civil War and she tells she tells Natasha to move or she'll be moved. Um and she's in she's in the Black Panther mm-hmm. film, but she's less prominent because the head of the Dora Milaje role is a different actress. Yeah, no, no, I I, to, I, I totally know because like I knew when I last night it's just like I I was like she looks familiar because I, I thought initially it was going to be like Black Panther's sister or something or the the love interest and then I thought like oh no it's probably the the kind of the, the head of the guards mm-hmm. or whatever it is like and I was just like no but she looks really familiar so yeah she was the one from Civil yeah. War you said yeah. yeah it's interesting as well because obviously in the world of T'Challa is alive um and you know I don't know how mm-hmm. they're going to deal with. I don't know how they're going to deal with that in Black Panther 2. Um, like, they, they really... They obviously didn't think it was going to be as big a hit as it was. And they kind of... They, they reshot stuff when they had such a big response to him for Endgame. You know, and it, it's such a huge moment when he kind of appears again. And Black Panther 2 was kind of further down the line, I think, because... Yeah, you know, I don't think they expected it to be as big a hit as it was, and they had to wait till after Endgame anyway. And now, you know, they've insisted they've insisted not going to recast him. So where does that leave it? Yeah, how do you just kind of go? You know, <laughs> uh, he was on a mission and he died. Because they just they've got to go with Shuri, right? Shuri or is it Mbaka? Possibly, he could potentially pick it up. She did she get involved in the trans debate a while back? Mm, was that it? I'm, I can't quite remember. I don't I think. Like, I, I I I think I think she might have said some kind of transphobic stuff. I really, I, I thought she was a fun character. I think she, I think she said some I kind think, of transphobic yeah, some, stuff. She did say something a little gosh. bit like, uh, yeah, disappointing. Um, yeah, it's kind of, and like she, she's kind of, she's obviously been told, you know, pipe down because I think they were prepared to kind of give her a more prominent role. And Dana, well, Gina Carano, you yeah, know. yeah. Uh, Gina Carano's family own casinos, big casinos, many casinos, casinos, um, quite a few casinos. She comes from a very, very wealthy family. So, right. So she doesn't feel like she she's not counting her blessings, taking money in a Marvel role or in Star Wars. Or yeah, like her 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 it's, family could she's comfortable. her family could easily produce uh, anything she might want to star in. They're they're that kind of wealthy. Oh jeez. Which a lot of people didn't realize until this kind of stuff came out. And she's done fine. She's doing something with Ben Shapiro now, I think. So fuck all of them. Um, yes. No. Back to the end of that. What do we? I mean. Zemo was in prison. T'Challa doesn't want to kill him, which I thought I really liked that moment. That T'Challa, it 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 
it's a great character moment. He's like, the living yeah, yeah, the living aren't done with you. Yeah, and he's like, I'm not like you're God, not yeah, you're not taking brilliant. yourself out, and yeah. I'm not going to take you out. You're gonna you're gonna do time. So that's mm. the thing. It's it's like, does Ao simply want to? And then you're gonna do an awkward dance on. No, but like, does does Ao simply want to put him back in prison? Did Bucky? I mean, Bucky spent a lot of time in Wakanda, so he probably knows Ao quite well. So did he say, "Hey, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him out," but you can you can lock him back up? Um, and again, we're assuming he's been in prison for seven years. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's kind of like so much of so much of what happened with Zemo was to T'Challa's choice in terms of like how he'd face the punishment for his crimes. So you assume Ao is just there to put him back in prison when they're done with him. But now there's the fact that like that was T'Challa's choice and technically T'Challa, I mean, in the world of the show, we assume he's still there, but I assume he still is. But it's just interesting that, you know, given now that T'Challa actually isn't around, I'm just kind of speculating, like completely hypothetical, but would Wakanda want a different sort of justice now that T'Challa actually isn't around? Well, like, the question is, as we as we come into it, is like, what is the Wakandan interest or the Wakandan element going to be to this show? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the shield is vibranium. The super soldier thing, the Black Panther, is a super soldier of sorts. Yeah, so did the um, serum, was it derived in some way from the that heart-shaped herb potentially especially when when t'challa takes it you know it doesn't it doesn't alter him physically the way that the 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 serum steve had so like does that line up with what nagel said about it just simply enhancing what's already there and kind of being optimized is that because he based it on the heart-shaped herb is is it going to connect up again in in some other way Presumably, the kind of Wakanda thread isn't going to end in the next episode. I'm imagining it's going to carry through to the finale of the carry show. through. Ah, yeah, presumably, 100%. but yeah, because otherwise, like, is she just a guest star for the next episode? Gets involved in the fight and disappears, like Sharon. Hmm. I imagine Sharon. Will I think Sharon, Sharon. Sharon will be back as well. I think yeah, because Sharon gets into a car with somebody and saying, "We have a problem." I kind of thought maybe Sharon's working for the power broker. I thought she was. At one point, Bucky throws a pipe through a human being. Yeah, he does. To his shoulder, though, he's alive. He's I'm okay. sorry. I just his sort of <laughs> his sort of resistance to this violent past. At one point, he throws a pipe through a person through the shoulder, but it's a two-inch pipe. Yeah, it's a nice hole in your arm. Yeah, that was. I don't know. I, a, I don't think he's that resistant. Kind of I don't think he's that resistant to being. To, no. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, he's just trying to please his therapist, I think, at the time. Yeah, I, I think his preferred method of, of resolution would be... Well, you, you mean he's definitely hurting people. But uh, yeah, power broker. I assume Sharon's working for the power broker, or potentially is, yeah. Or is the I, The broker. only thing that I think maybe isn't is that mm-hmm. she gets into the car and she says to her driver something like, we have a problem. If she was the power broker, she wouldn't necessarily feel the need to... Like tell her driver, we've got a problem. I think, I don't know. Yes, but she's telling the audience, not the driver. Yeah, but if she was the power broker, would she need to say anything at all? You know, is the power broker somebody that, like, if we looked on IMDb, we'd see somebody cast, or is it like, like the head of sword? 
or you know like somebody doing experiments we, we don't yeah some people think it's uh, zola and i think that's very possible um zola is in ai now and they blow up the data bank in mm. winter soldier but like if he's in ai he can be yeah. he can be many other places usb somewhere else yeah so i think i think it could be zola i think it'd be it'd be an easy thing as well to get toby jones back just to have him record his his lines somewhere he doesn't have to actually physically show up um especially like when he said selby's been killed and he sent out the the bitcoin bounty uh was very john wick and you know the episode was written by the guy who created Mm -hmm. john wick i don't know if you knew that that was interesting was it it was yeah yeah and it's very john wick color scheme of the of magipore yeah, and everything the, yeah yeah color scheme of the bar and yeah everybody's kind of like suited and booted magipore very much and is an island stuff. version of the continental you know so he was a good pick he was a good mm. yeah he was a good pick to to write that episode um um interesting yeah it only occurred to me when it was when i saw Madripoor is like this feels very John Wick, and then I saw his name in the in the credits, and I was like, ah, okay, that that makes sense. That's that was fun. All right, so what do we think uh, is Winter Winter Soldier's going to get the, the shield back? Hundred percent. We've we've seen we've seen them with the shield, so it's a case of how. Yeah. Like uh, that shot of of Sam throwing the shield, like that could very easily be the last. Shot I think that's the end of, of the or series. Last shot of the show. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's him. I've got the shield. Yeah, I think so. Like I, I had that thought watching them. Um, God, it's twenty years ago now, but like when the new Spider, when the original Spider Man movie was coming out with Tobey Maguire, and there's this moment in the trailer where he's like, "Who am I? I'm Spider Man," and he swings towards the screen. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's great. They're promoting the movie. And I'm like, oh, that's the last shot of the film, isn't it? Yeah. And just like that moment of like understanding it, understanding story structure flipped in my head. Mm. I hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think think this show as well lends itself to a second season kind of more so than WandaVision. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily... I don't think I'm necessarily spoiling anything. I think it's in one of the earlier trailers, but there's a point... And it, maybe it won't be the end of this. It, maybe it'll be kind of like in the second to last episode or something. There's a point where Bucky says to Sam, like, we'll do this together and we'll do it our way. And to me, it seemed like that was kind of Sam with the shield and kind of them, the two of them kind of accepting the fact that, you know, they're always kind of, d- despite them bristling with each other, that they are going to work together because they both believe in what Steve stood for effectively. And that's stronger than any of their, their thing. And I wonder, is it maybe that there's some of the serum out there still and do they need to to resolve that and is that going to be like the not the cliffhanger necessarily but is that going to be the suggestion of what they do next and is that going to be at the end of of this season um because another thing as well somebody suggesting that um like this is a complete this isn't a sort of concept of story but more like the 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 names of the sense of identity being played within it you know that like this might well if you're posing the second season there's no way they change the name of the show 
but the suggestion was like this could be the last time we see them going by Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, you've got yeah. Captain America. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing like they 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 could change the name of the second season. There's nothing stopping them from calling it Captain America and the White Wolf. That's you true. know, um, that's one of the things as well. Like it's interesting that people were talking about how they felt they've betrayed what Zemo represented uh, in this episode because one of the things that occurred to me. I had, I had a similar thought, but for a different reason from the trailers where it looked, there was a possibility that the way the trailer was edited, like before these episodes came out, that Zemo was responsible for creating these other super soldiers, you know? And I was thinking that's very much, that's more of a betrayal of his character because he, mm. you know, he says, do you really think I want more of, of you in the world? And he more kills, he kills the other winter soldiers. And I think that's quite, I think, you know, the fact that they didn't go there is good because I think that would be a bigger betrayal of his character. And then in the episode, he kills uh, Nagel because he doesn't want more superheroes. And I think that's, I think yes. despite him yeah, becoming a bit of a Bond villain and stuff, it's still quite true to his Civil War character in that at the end of the day, as much as he's, you know, as much as Daniel Brühl is enjoying being this kind of puckish character, as you said, he was still very much about I'm not having more of these these people in the world and is maybe does he take out John Walker? Does John Walker get a dose of the serum and is he the one that that takes him out? Is the point of um is the point of that scene maybe, maybe like maybe in a couple of episodes. But sorry, but one of the things I want to say is one of the criticisms we had of the last episode, and maybe it's one of the reasons they put it in there is one of the flag smashers is taken out by a bunch of guys with guns and is that to kind of illustrate that yeah you know unless you've got this vibranium shield for all your power you're not bulletproof and does walker gain the super serum super soldier serum but does zemo take him out despite that you know gun to the head like for all of your for all you want to be uh, like it may, maybe we'll actually kind of look back and say that scene served a purpose when you know when you're lined up against a firing squad of people and you don't have a shield then because the to be fair that is something they did in the winter soldier even like after bucky and cap have the fight in the freeway when the rest of like frank Grillo's character and they all show up they do simply just put a gun to their heads and then you know he says you know there's tv cameras don't do it here and it, it does kind of point out that yeah you know if if they've got enough of a head start, like in Civil War when the the German special forces show up, you know they can kind of take them out when it's a a tactical situation. It's in a stairwell, and they can kind of they can get out of a situation like that. But if if you if you corner them and you give them nowhere to run and you point guns at them, then yeah, they are very they're not indestructible. And is that where? Is that how Sam? Is that how Sam gets the shield back? Does Zemo take Walker out at the first opportunity? You know, he keeps Bucky around. Bucky's also a super soldier, but Bucky serves a purpose at a point. And Bucky's got a vibranium arm, so he can deflect some shots uh, using that. But is that how they get the shield back? Does Does Zemo say, "Yeah, uh, you know, you've forgotten that uh, I'm still all about <laughs> I'm still all about no superheroes." Yeah, and is that what happens? I do think it's funny, like, I've, I've been thinking about it since you said it last week. This is six months after 
um, Endgame. <laughs> Old man Steve is still around, presumably. Presumably, yeah. I mean, until they tell us he passed away with, subsequently after giving him that shield. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know Evans isn't going to pop back up, but they can allude to him being well, like, there. Well, the, there was rumors that he was coming back to do something, and then they've played it very coy. And is it because he's he did come back just to do one scene somewhere? Yeah. Um, kind of hard to know. There's a whole arc in the comics where I don't know if he gave. I can't remember. Like I'm so disconnected from them as well. Like he either lost his powers or gave up his powers. There is, but the age caught up with him for an extended run. Old yeah. man Steve Rogers was a Shield administrator. Yeah, like he was just working for Shield. He becomes Nick Fury kind of almost. Shape, but he was 100 yeah. and whatever. Yeah, he's just old. Yeah, yeah. So, I think we should probably look to wrapping up this uh, episode as we get up around an hour 40 we're actually going mm-hmm. going good here um i think when you edit it it'll be a good bit taken out though Probably. yeah it'll be a bit shorter we talk about yeah. justice league forever um what do we think Zack snyder's gonna do next he did want to make a film of the fountainhead and he said given the current political climate he's not going to do that now and i've said it before like he's michael bay but he wants to be christopher nolan and even Christopher Nolan isn't Christopher Nolan. 